from LPM. Louisville Public Media. Art and commerce is a tricky, it's a, it's a tricky relationship. I'm Erin Keen. I'm Sean Cannon. This is These Miracles Work. In episode one, we talked about how the band was riding high when they were making Stay Positive. They'd had some success and they were ready to build on that. Then uh, in episode two, we talked about how that success changed certain dynamics, you know, about the work, especially the songwriting. And so in this episode, we're going to look at how those dynamics in the band started changing as well, interpersonally. So there's a little bit of uh, an interesting dynamic here because we, we talked to Craig and Tad together. Then after that, we went to Franz, talked to him on his own. And then we had some questions for Craig uh, about uh, kind of how, how things ended up. Yeah, so Sean had to call Craig back after he and I spoke to Franz separately because Franz had a lot to say about his position in the band, what he felt his role was, and why he made the decision late 2009, early 2010, to leave the Hold Steady when they were kind of riding high on this high note. But things start off, though, with uh, Craig and Tad talking about how sometimes, again, this success can change things and not for the better. I feel like in rock and roll, your success is sort of dooms you, you know, like, like we just, you just start playing so many shows. You get the, you know, the bus, as we spoke about all the, all the stuff, I think it exhausts you in a way that it, it's going to be hard to keep, keep going. Um, in the way we were, we were going and the way we were trying to write, you know, which was pretty Democrat, not democratic, but, uh, uh, you know, getting in a space and writing. And, it's together. And, and a rock band is an imperfect organization. You know, in a fraternity, the seniors tell the freshmen to clean up. Rock and roll band can't really have a leader. You know, everyone's got to be cool and everyone's got, you know, it's like, it's just, it's, it's hard to keep a, a pure rock band going. Um, and without some sort of breakdown, uh, in creativity or otherwise. And I think it's just any, any band's going to have ups and downs. Uh, I, I would agree with that too. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I, I sort of feel it like it's not necessarily bad or worth bringing hands over. It's just sort of a natural, natural occurrence. The goals, yeah, the goals become not more elusive, but a little more harder to define after that. And 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 you and it's it's like the momentum kind of carries you up to that point, and then almost you have to start thinking about things differently, or or inevitably you do, which isn't always a great thing. You know, it's like there isn't that sort of. Um, simplicity to it and and the more people you get involved it sometimes it that's becomes more difficult too because you you know you've got everybody has kind of an opinion about what they think you should be doing or what you could be doing and it's just like you know we just want to write songs so i think that it has an effect on the process and on the band 
most bands dream of reaching this level of success. But when they get there, they see that decisions have to be made differently to sustain the growth. And it's not just in the studio. I do remember like on Sep Sunday, I think, going to Shake It in Cincinnati. And we were so hungover and they had donuts and I think beers. And it was so fun. Like, so the promo at that point didn't, like was awesome, you know? Uh, but then it's like, when when it's, it gets one level more organized, it's like, uh, you know, take some, some magic out of it. Okay, so remember in the first episode when Craig and Tad talked about that iTunes showcase they played, the one with Lady Gaga? They have more to say about that. Seems quaint now that like, you know, we'd get really good placement if we could impress them. Mm-hmm. And we like went and we did two songs and like there are a few artists there, including Lady Gaga, who got up and did the disco stick. Yeah, they came in, she had the disco stick in like a guitar case. <laughs> yeah, and, and they pulled out the disco stick. And let me tell you, Lady Gaga, it looks a lot more normal when she does that in front of 20,000 people than when she does it in front of 40 people. Mm-hmm. We were just like, what is this? Yeah, we, I, couldn't, I was like, her. yeah, nobody heard. I was like, yeah. what the fuck what are we Lady watching? Lady Gaga, what is this? And um, what's happening? And I remember being like, saying to the label who are all you know very nice people but i was like i don't know what we're doing here but i hope whatever we did was did a good job you know yeah. like like i i don't can't quite wrap my head what why you know that we flew to san francisco yeah. to do this where, but. where when you get up and you play in front of 400 people that are throwing beer at each other yeah. you can walk away and like yeah that was great <laughs> yeah yeah that, <laughs> it, there's something visceral that yeah. it's like that made sense that made more sense to me so we were de- we were definitely dipping our toe into playing the game so to speak after stay positive there was like like more talk about like going to radio and things like that where you're like i don't know what that means but like i like almost killed me was that good you know like like art and commerce is a tricky it's it's a tricky relationship you get kind of cynical about those things i'll just say touring, the promo, the what comes next, all of that started to take its toll. Even though the making of Stay Positive was, by all accounts, a positive experience. Craig says it was the Hold Steady's last easy record, the last one that sounds like a band having fun. And because of that... Of the six, I think that's the last one that's great. Uh, in my mind, <laughs> and and then the, uh, the the two that follow were a little more troubled to me. Well, I guess we agree about that. <laughs> it might have been the last easy record, but it's fair to say that it's also where the trouble started. The exhausting promotion, the difficult questions about what comes next, all of that is tied to this record too. Here's keyboardist friends Nicolay with his take on Stay Positive. I think of Stay Positive, the record, as, a, as quite a dark record. You know, the Hold Steady has this reputation as a good time party band, but I think that's always, that's always been a little bit misleading and a, and a mis, you know, an intentional misreading of a lot of this stuff. Um, which is as, you know, as, as I think most people realize this is much about the, 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 the dark side of that as, as the fun side, but boys and girls was much more of a party record and stay positive was much, a much darker proposition. You never stay positive when things are going well. Well, I think everybody just had a different vision of what the what they imagined that the band sounded like. 
I don't think I'm talking out of school to say that the, the Springsteen co comparisons that ended up coming up was something that always sort of graded on Tad because he imagined it as more of like an ACTC cheap trick Zeppelin kind of thing. Um, and, and when I came in and with sort of sharp elbows asserted the, the role of the piano as a more equal partner in the rhythm section, it, it was a different kind of sound than I think he imagined the band being. I mean, even even visually, and especially in the early years of the band, like I just dress different than them, and they're they're Midwestern guys that that don't always like to talk about stuff, and I'm a I'm a talker about stuff, and I don't know. We just have I have I've grown up with a different aesthetic in a lot of ways. You know, I joined halfway through the writing of Separation Sunday, and so Boys and Girls in America was the first one that I was involved in top to bottom, the writing through recording. And so there was a sense in which, you know, particularly me and Tad were still sort of sorting out where we coexisted in the mix. Um, and a big part of the mixing of Boys and Girls in America was sort of litigating that question <laughs> for good or ill. You know, we, can't, we, we ended up where, where it ended up and it, was, and it was a successful record. And so that sort of settled that question and that, and that was, you know, one thing that we didn't have to to think about and stay positive. Like we had established the sound, what the what that the sound of that period of the band was. One thing that I find really fascinating and also uh, frustrating about Stay Positive and what comes next is that they put all of this energy into building this cohesive, successful sound and on Stay Positive, they really nail it, right? And then it's the last album that they make together and Franz leaves the band. You know, but as fans, we didn't see any of stuff that was happening that led up to that point where Franz decides, you know what, um, I need to do something different now. That's two years between, between the making of this record and when I left the band. Two extremely fraught and busy years. Um, um, you know, it's, I don't have a pat answer. You know, it was one of those things where if it, it was just a, a, a bunch of things um, uh, let me uh, let me think of you would think I, I would have gotten used to answering this this question <laughs> um, uh, think about like if you had a long term relationship and it, did, and it wasn't working out and you broke up and then someone asks you why did you break up all you can say is like it wasn't working you know it just wasn't working. Everybody was, everybody was, it had been an exhausting bunch of years for one thing. Um, I don't think we realized at the time necessarily how ragged everyone's nerves were. I think that, I think that's the bottom line, <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, the making of the record, like we were in this residential studio out in Jersey City and Galen was, you know, make, mixing micheladas and, 
it was like a, a wonderful sort of idol. Um, but then think about the things that happened the next two years, like, you know, Tad got really sick and almost died and had to get sober and had trouble with that. At this point, Tad was diagnosed with pancreatitis and he had to stop drinking. This led to what he's called darker territory with drugs. In a 2014 interview with GQ, he said, I switched poisons because I knew I couldn't drink anymore. He's sober now. But like a lot of things that happen in a band, this process had an effect on the group, too. And that... um sort of led to a different vibe in the band. Maybe he had to figure out sort of uh, where things kind of, how things were performance-wise. And, um, you know, where he had previously been uh, sort of the guy who led us into battle, um, maybe he wasn't able to do that anymore. At least in the period right after Stay Positive, there was really a transition period, sort of the dynamics of that band and and the hang after show as well as the show. But there was more too. I was feeling creatively frustrated and, you know, had all this music that didn't, that, that didn't have a, have a role in the hold steady. And, you know, so I made a, a solo record and wanted to, to tour behind that a little bit. And, um, I don't know, you know, it was, there was an aspect of it for me that was like, at the end of the day, this is Craig and Tad's band. And if you're, you know, if in any career that you have, you know, if you're a, if you're an up and coming banker and you realize you're never going to make partner, you'll strike out and and start your own firm, you know, Um, which isn't about ambition necessarily. It's just about like the economics of, of music. Like if you're, if you're, just because of the way that songwriting works as a, as a matter of economics. If you, if you, if you have the capacity to write songs and, and, um, and you know, if you're the, if you're the third wheel in a, in in a band, you owe it to yourself to give, to, to give that a shot just because there's so much more upside. Um, so that's, that's, that's one answer, but it was also, I think we were on each other's nerves. Um, it is really the basic thing. I don't know. It's all of those and more and none of those. And it was, it was just like, I don't think anybody was surprised. Um, nobody was surprised. Uh, it's just, uh, um, it was just one of those relationships that had reached the end of its, the end of its uh, lifespan at that point. episode one, Franz talked about how the sound of the band didn't change much between Boys and Girls in America and Stay Positive, um, and that worked for them. So the idea for the next album was to double down, keep building on the sound. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Um, and they had worked so hard to figure out where they each fit into the band's sound. They had solidified it. They knew what they were doing. Their feet were under them. But it was right at that moment then when they start to figure out what comes next, what comes after Stay Positive, that Franz started to have uh, different ideas about the direction of the band going forward. 
you think about bands that, that really make it to the next level from like big indie band to like proper huge band are the ones that, that take a left turn sonically, you know, REM, U2, uh, Radiohead, Flaming Lips. They have to take a chance with their sound, right? And there are bands that try to do that and fall on their face and they can always, you know, they can always go back to their old sound and people will be happy you know, maybe, maybe that's sort of like what happened to the arcade fire. Um, but I feel like it, I sort of felt like that was, that was our, maybe the time to do that. And I guess that wasn't where those guys were at. I don't know. I th- sometimes I think, you know, I'm a lot younger than those guys too. And sometimes I think that there's, there was an aspect of, of, um, for them of like they had which I, I'm much more sympathetic to now um, that I'm that I'm a little older myself was that of, 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 of being like we were in a bunch of bands that didn't go anywhere this one we found our spot and we don't want to um, that people like what we do so let's just let's just stick with that um, and and maybe I since I was since I was a little younger, I, I felt more of a that more there was more of a, an opportunity to 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 I, I, maybe I felt more willing to to take 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 chances on that. I don't know if that's accurate or if they would agree with that perception, and they might not. Um, and I, but I I I'm, I'm, I will say, you know, as a forty year old guy now, <laughs> I, I'm much more. Um, uh, sympathetic to that to that position, I guess. But I sort of felt like I had I, I sort of felt like at least for me I had I had time for one more roll of the dice, which is which is what I ended up doing. decides to leave. They announce it in January 2010. And for about a week, um, you know, we're in this period, like right after a breakup where all parties and everyone around them are just saying, you know, it's totally amicable. We're all still friends. These things just happen. It's nobody's fault, et cetera, et cetera. And then Franz does an interview with Paste that blows up. According to Vulture, Franz, and I quote, acts like a jerk about the whole thing. Really? I mean, here's what he said to Paste. In the Hold Steady, I was kind of a fox in a hedgehog band. The Isaiah Berlin thing about the hedgehogs who have one defining idea and the foxes who have a lot of different ideas. So this, he's talking about solo work. So this is going to let me indulge a lot of those different ideas. That makes sense. I mean, I don't think there's anything incendiary about that. Uh, there's really not. Berlin's essay, The Hedgehog and the Fox, is meant as a, you know, like an intellectual game. It's not supposed to be taken super seriously. He separates out writers and thinkers into these two different categories, the hedgehogs and the foxes. Um, examples of the hedgehogs in this metaphor, that's 
Craig and Tad and the rest of the band include Plato, Dante, Dostoevsky, Proust. So the Foxes, that's Franz. They're more like Shakespeare, Aristotle, James Joyce. So I don't know, Dostoevsky or Joyce. Pick your poison. But breakup drama is irresistible. And so is the temptation to pick sides and cast blame. You know, you, if somebody leaves a band, someone for whom that band is their favorite band cannot imagine ever want, ever wanting to not be in that band if you were in that band. You know what I mean? And so it's, impo- it's, it's, hard, it's hard for people to conceive of it outside of like some very dramatic blow up um, or shit talking. Personally, I can say I didn't feel like hurt by that or anything. I sort of knew what he was saying. I sort of, in a rare, smart moment, knew that any response to it would be doomed. So I just let it be. And I was just, I guess I was, I was bummed that it was interpreted as shit talking when I was just trying to, 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 to make a sort of observation about, about the kind of thing that, that, that I felt like they were trying to do and the kind of things that I was trying to do. You know, historically looking back, we kind of begged Fran into the band. So, uh, you know, I was pretty happy at the time to get three records out of him. Because um, he didn't join necessarily easy. You know, he, he, we, we kind of had to negotiate him into the band. Um, so it wasn't totally surprising to me that he'd want to go do something else. So the whole hedgehog fox tension thing it it makes sense and it makes sense because that tension is there in the songs too but you could also argue and by the way I'm going to (laughs) this is me arguing that the tension between those dueling philosophies as it plays out in the songwriting and on stage is the secret ingredient that makes those three Hold Steady albums great I didn't know how we were going to handle it but I was kind of confident we could in hindsight I would say overly confident um you know I think it was more of a uh, uh, it was more of a loss I get well I didn't I knew it was going to be a big loss but it, it it was something I thought we could push through better than we did uh you know heaven's whenever it was hard to make and then Teeth Dreams wasn't as hard to make, but it just, I don't know if it was... Uh... There it wasn't this, this same kind of, I hate to always use this word, camaraderie, or, or kind of just... To be honest to me, Teeth Dreams just lacks a piano. So we'll get back to this story and how it plays out in a bit, but on episode four, we dig into the album itself with rock critic Annie Zaleski. But these miracles work. I was a skeptic at first, but these miracles work. I was a skeptic at first, but these miracles work. 